Imagine booking your El Al flight to Israel, your hotel, rental car, and tours from the comfort of your own home or office within minutes and saving up to 20% to boot. All that and more is now reality at El Al Vacations. Now, for Arut Sheva listeners only, order a flight and hotel in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv through the Arut Sheva site and get a free cell phone with 60 minutes to use absolutely free. Click on the banner on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shalom, shalom, and welcome back, folks. You're on the Noahide Nation show, and uh, let's welcome all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and let me tell you what, it is great to be back. We've been gone for a while. Uh, we took uh, holidays off so we could come up for a little air, and uh, Prescott and I, Probably didn't come up for a whole lot here because we were both working like dogs, but <laughs> here we are and, and we're back and uh, hopefully we'll be good enough to get through this show. Prescott, how you doing, my friend? Yes, yes, uh, good enough to get through one show anyway. Uh, <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing well, uh, as you say. Been pretty busy, and uh, that of course has interfered with our ability to get together and do. Uh, and uh, to do the radio show, and I know that we've gotten some people who've been saying, where are you? I, I don't know if they thought that we had uh, been, uh, you know, abducted by aliens or <laughs> what happened. But, I, I almost uh, wish we had been. <laughs> would have uh, made life a little easier. <laughs> it, it would have been a little easier. Um, but anyway, we're back, and uh, so we'll we'll try to uh, make this a uh, a a great show for those who have waited patiently for us to return. <laughs> well, and you know what? We do appreciate everybody's concern, too. We, uh, I, I got a lot of emails myself just wanting to know if we were okay. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's nice to know that people, you know, really, you know, care out there. So we, we yeah. appreciate those who sent in emails, but, uh, we were fine. We just thought we'd go ahead and take the high holy days off. And now we're we're back. In fact, it was funny. I got a got a email, kind of like an emergency, but not an emergency email from uh, Gabriel at uh, Israel National oh, yeah. Radio. <laughs> Is Noahide Nations back on the air? With big question mark at the end. <laughs> so, uh, so I had to let them know too. They were a little bit concerned too. But yeah. it really is great to be back. How fitting that it would happen to be the Monday right after the partial reading of Noah. Hmm. And I think that is uh, probably what our topic of the day should be. What do you think? It sounds uh, it sounds like uh, uh, like a good choice. <laughs> uh, you, you never look serendipity in the mouth. No, um, it uh, so. uh, nothing happens by coincidence, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> well, take the cue, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Parsha Noah, of course, is vitally important not only to mankind but in particular to Noahides. Mm -hmm. uh, Noah is our forefather. It's everybody's. I mean, everyone is children of Noah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. it's uh, uh, important that uh, we we talk about him, and it's very very good that the Monday we start back is the Monday right after that reading. So uh, I mm -hmm. think it's just you know thank you Hashem Baruch Hashem. 
but one thing that I have noticed, and you may have uh, also Prescott, in fact, maybe uh, a lot of folks in our uh, audience have, is that whenever the Parsha Noah comes around, I mean, it comes around once a year, and every time it comes around, uh, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I'm a member of a lot of different groups that send out emails on uh, what their what their thoughts are, their commentaries on the that week's partial reading, and you know, I go through them and I find them all you know fascinating, and I always find little nuggets and you know golden nuggets in there. But whenever it comes around to Parsha Noah, I'm telling you what, nine times out of ten, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> they seem to constantly being negative towards Noah. I mean, it, you know, the stuff kind of goes like, you know, something like that. You know, Noah Noah plants a vineyard, drinks from its its produce, and becomes drunk. And you know, in his intoxicated state, he shamefully uncovers himself in his tent. Uh, you know, most most of the Jewish community really want to, for some reason, you know, try and compare Noah to Avraham, with Avraham always coming out on top. And, yeah. you know, they always want to talk about the negative of Noah versus the greatness of Avraham. Well, well if I could even uh, read in Rashi's commentary uh, at the beginning of the Parsha, where it says that uh, these are the generations of Noah, uh, and in the commentary it says, in his generation, some of our sages interpret it uh, favorably interpret the word in his generations favorably uh, how much more so uh, would he be righteous if he had lived in a generation of righteous people that he would have even been more righteous others interpreted derogatorily in comparison with his generation he was righteous but if he had been in Abraham's generation he would not have been considered of any importance and uh, so that's kind of the... <laughs> right. Of know, no so, importance. Can you imagine? Of yeah, no importance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, again, that's, that is uh, that, that even, even when they approach the subject uh, from the very beginning, there's this, uh, there's, uh, there has to be a debate about, uh, about the word and, and, the, and the language of the Torah, which is a great thing. I mean, it's it, better that we have uh, a disagreement about something like that that leads to many discussions in both directions rather than to not debate it at all in terms of because debate always leads us to understanding things more fully and digging deeper to understand those things more fully so probably good that we have the debate anyway yeah and that's probably true and you kind of beat me to the punch a little bit because i was going oh, to did I? yeah that's all right but you know i was going to incorporate into this and it's not all the jewish community that thinks yeah, this way yeah. it's just no. most of them and maybe i'm just on a bad roll uh, that it's everyone that all of them that i talk to or all of well, all, you, all the emails that i get from these groups or you know they're they want to beat up on noah it's like he's the yearly punching bag or something yeah, it's kind of like the the comparison when uh, you have Sodom and Gomorrah, where Abraham engages in this uh, in this uh, dialogue with uh, with Hashem about whether or not the city should be spared. Whereas you know they compare that to Noah, who basically said, eh, "Let him drown." You know, it, it, almost that kind of uh, almost that kind of uh, comparison or this juxtaposition between the the character of Abraham and the character of Noah. Right. And and sometimes it's unfortunate because when you realize that uh that Noah actually lived into the time period mm-hmm. of uh, of Abraham. Right. For 50 I think and it was 50 50 plus years that Noah was still alive yeah. in Abraham's life. 
Yeah, and and certainly uh, Shem, of course, uh, right. who established the academy, mm-hmm. lived well into that period and and had relationships and knew these people, uh, and and given that he actually uh, Abraham actually met uh, Shem Melchizedek, uh, right uh, bef- before uh, this destruction of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I have to wonder, and this here is kind of my own uh, imagination at work, but I have to wonder to what degree um, the conversation with Shem may have influenced or may have may have been instructive to Abraham uh, in terms of the follow-up. Because uh, the, if I remember correctly, the, the rabbinic tradition tells us that when Noah came off of the ark... Um, that he has this conversation with with Hashem in which he says, you know, like, well, why, why, how could you let this tragedy happen? And Hashem basically says, well, you didn't, uh, you didn't object. And you have to wonder, like, if, 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 in the course of time, as Noah learned from that, and would have certainly, I, I would think, would have had that conversation with Shem. Did Shem have that conversation with Abraham when Abraham was asking, well, that must have been so cool to be on the ark, <laughs> you know? Well, and, <laughs> and, and, and Shem would say, well, you know, when we came off the ark, Dad was really, really overwhelmed by the tragedy, by the devastation, by the loss. Mm-hmm. And, and really questioned Hashem on this. And, and so it could have, it could have opened the, turn the light on that when this question came of of Hashem wanting to come down and and visit Sodom and Gomorrah because the evilness of the of the of the the cities had gone up right if that could not have registered ah we've been here before you know mm-hmm. that that this kind of destruction we've we've visited this before and so Abraham taking the cue says I, I need to. I need to do something. I need to try and intervene. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to be like Noah, and be on the other end of the destruction and not have raised my voice. Right. You know. So I, I, I sometimes wonder because when we're reading the text, of course, we don't see this in the written Torah. But when we read how the in the oral tradition that we we know that this connection does exist between uh, between Abraham and Noah's family. That you have to wonder, you know, what kind of conversations did take place over the years oh, yeah. with, with those and, two family groups. And let's face it, mankind is uh, you know, forever evolving. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're not smarter than the previous generation, you've done something wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I think it only, only makes sense that Avraham uh, would have learned from past mistakes. That's one of the uh, difficulties that we in our modern day societies are having. Uh, we don't pay yep. attention to history. And as a That's result right. of not paying attention to history, we tend to repeat it to our own detriment. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, what you're saying is uh, uh, absolutely true. And, you know, thankfully, Abraham did. It's funny, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the, you know, what kind of conversation may have taken place between Shem and uh, uh, Abraham. And, well, let's face it, whatever it was did have some impact on Abraham because he only gave 10% of everything he had, you know. Yeah. So something. <laughs> <laughs> that Shem said.
said, uh, affected uh, Avraham, you know, quite deeply. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's interesting because when I run into, you know, again, Parsha Noah once a year, and I get all yeah. these negative emails <laughs> in, I tend to go out and start looking for things that are, you know, okay, who said something positive about him? And I, you know, mm. I actually ran into one uh, just, you know, very recently. And, you know, again, Baruch Hashem, uh, Rabbi Pinhas Winston kind of, you know, shed some light uh, for me, uh, which I, you know, I think probably did for everyone who read it. But you know, one of the things that he says that it's not, not all the important lessons in Torah are learned from what is written. In fact, mm-hmm. he says some of the most important messages are learned from that which was not recorded. And you know, mm-hmm. one of the examples that he gives is the you know the entire accounting of the first seven days of creation. That required 88 verses in in the Torah, right? Mm-hmm. And right, you know, right, this yeah. is where, I mean we're talking about the creation of man and you know the eating mm-hmm. of the tree of knowledge and you know the good and evil and you know the subsequent expulsion from the garden took. 88 verses. Now you take that in contrast and compare it to the number of generations. In fact, he says the eight generations from Adam to Noah's birth. Mm-hmm. And you compare that because that only took 80, uh, I think, what do you say, 80 verses or 80, uh, or I'm sorry, 58. Even if it was 80, for 58 yeah. verses it took to cover 1,056 years. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yep. it, it took, uh, uh, you know, obviously less than that uh, to uh, cover the the seven days. I mean, uh, and by comparison, if you you know equate the percentages, eighty verses for seven days versus fifty eight verses for a thousand fifty six years. Whoa, there was a mm-hmm. lot. There was a lot that occurred during the thousand plus years that was not written about. And yep. uh, and you know of course we we understand that the the Torah is a book of uh, minimal words but important lessons. Every word has vital meaning at, at depths that we can't even comprehend. But you know the Torah is also you know big uh, on moral accomplishment and, and human excellence. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, you know, it brushed over eight generations of mankind, uh, and it really only mentions them to, you know, kind of help provide us with kind of a, uh, at a minimum, a genealogical record, you know, until yeah. the time of Noah, which, of course, from the Torah's perspective, Noah was quite important. I mean, he only had a Parsha mm-hmm. named after him. You know, he, he was important in the eyes of Hashem for, for many, many reasons. And also, as, you know, if we can even use the word, uh, uh, the destiny of, of mankind. It's, you know, it's really amazing when you get down to it, because uh, one of the things that the Torah really does teach is to choose life. Mm-hmm. Choose so that you may live. I mean, it's just repeated over and over and over again, and virtually everything that you read, you can attach it to that. And through Noah, mankind is preserved. Mankind lived. Mankind survived. And from that perspective, Noah is a, is a pretty important person. In fact, uh, Rabbi Winston goes on to say that it's the, the Noahs of the world who are important enough for the Torah to stop and talk about. And I kind of, I kind of gain from this that Noah is a world changer. He is, he's not somebody who sits back and waits for something to happen. Noah was a guy who stepped up and made something happen. And mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what I'm taking from this, so much so that Hashem had Moshe 
write about it in, in a very important way and uh, by comparison, an in-depth way <laughs> compared to the previous eight generations. Right, I mean, right. It was, it's you know, rather remarkable. You know, so let, you know, let's admit right now that if it were not for the righteousness of Noah, there'd be no Gentiles. There'd be no Jews. In fact, there'd be no, none of us would be here to even have yeah. this debate. Yeah. So you tell well, me now, how important was Noah? Well, well, Noah was important enough that he, when he, not only did he merit the fact that Hashem asked him to build the ark and to preserve life in this way, but during the time that he was on the ark, uh, we, we discover that he experienced, uh, the Shabbat. Mm-hmm. That he was right, sort of right. he was re, he was removed. I mean that that was that was a very that was a very unique. Um, uh, I guess unique is just unique. I don't need to say very unique. Uh, right, <laughs> but it is what it it's, is. <clears throat> it's a unique. It was a unique uh, moment where where he actually uh, merited uh, that that uh, incredible experience of of being on the ark. And, uh, I mean, granted, it was a lot of work that had to be done, but, you know, in terms of looking after the animals, but it was still something that, uh, was extraordinary by any measure. I mean, if you want to get into the de- debating whether in his generation, uh, you know, if he was in another generation, we wouldn't have even heard about the guy. Uh, I, I tend to, I tend to lean in the direction that, um, that when we live in dark days, that uh, that even a, a match, you know, even a match will uh, produce enough light to give direction. You, if you don't have a dark day, then you don't need that light necessarily. But that, nah, I think I kind of derailed this one too. But <laughs> well, <laughs> but my point is, if you don't have a dark day, you never know what a day of light is. Exactly, exactly. And I I can appreciate that because, you know, if we don't have tough times, we don't know what the good times are and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. interesting. I, I think some of, at least some of what uh, I'm hearing is seemingly there's, uh, various comparisons going on mm. in, yeah. in the, in the discussion about the Parsha Noah. And mm. we're Noahides. We're not Jews. And so we will tend to, especially me, I'm very <laughs> passionate about defending Noah. You know, in fact, it's funny. But, uh, one of the things that keeps coming up in these, uh, negative, you know, Parsha commentaries is, uh, Noah's faith. Even Rashi says that Noah really didn't have any faith. He believed one minute and didn't believe the next. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I really have to question this. And I mean, Rashi, I love Rashi, okay? <laughs> but I really have to question where he is deriving this from, as well as others, because I ask myself the question, you know, what do you call, what do you call it when someone spends 120 years of their life doing something that God told them to do? You know what? If that's not faith in Hashem, what is that? Uh, is that when the first definition of crazy came on the scene? Hmm. You know, I, I don't think so. You know, you, you have to define that in my own estimation anyway, and it's my humble opinion that that's hmm. faith. Yeah. I mean, who does that? I mean, he spent, he did something for more years than we as human mm-hmm. beings are going to live. Mm-hmm. How is that not faith? I, I don't get it. I, I just don't. Yeah, and and I mean, the whole, 
the whole picture that we learn throughout the Tanakh is is not whether we constantly are uh, walking upright. It's that we get back up when we fall down. Right. So, Absolutely. So, so even if even if there was even if there was uh, some kind of an apparent fault in in this uh, you know occasionally stumbling, uh, the fact is is that you know Noah got back up. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, then some. And then some. So you know, so uh, if 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 that's if that's my uh, if that's in my DNA, I'll take that. Uh, you know, because uh, I, I know I stumble and uh, and I have to keep getting back up. And that's the lesson that I learned from uh, uh, from the Torah. That's the lesson that I learned from the Tanakh. Is that that's what righteous people do? They get back up right. when they stumble. Right, and that only comes from faith. I mean, yeah, we can have some, you know, the gift that Hashem gives us is, you know, and that gift, you know, I hate to say it, is, is the, the need to survive. I mean, you know, you get back into a situation where it's life or death, we tend to want to survive. We just don't want to die. Uh, at no. least, you know, that's the normal human tendency. You know, but here again, you know, going back to this whole whole faith thing, I mean, it, isn't it, it just seems to me it's a little unrealistic to conclude that God would have given such a monumental task mm-hmm. that he did to, to Noah. He wouldn't have given it to someone who had faith one minute and no faith the next minute. You know, this this would not be the person that God would have described as being righteous, perfect in his generations, and that he walked with God. How do you mm-hmm. walk with God and have faith part of the time and no faith the other part of the time? I, I, it, 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 common sense tells us something mm-hmm. different. And, you know, that's, again, it's my humble opinion, and I, I'm certainly no Rashi, not close, just a common sense kind of guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, this, this, this may generate email, uh, you know, <laughs> raise questioning Rashi. Yeah. Okay. Rashi's wrong, I'm right. Yeah, but, well, but, but, but I already is, prepped myself but, for that. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, this here's this, but this is part of the discussion that now goes on because, uh, on, you know, for many generations there weren't Noahides uh, to sit down and, and object right. to, and to challenge to, the, the position, the opinions. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, uh, you know, anyway, um, what we're rolling up to. Uh, well, we're rolling, we're rolling up to the top of the hour, time. and uh, uh, when we you know when we come back, uh, we're going to you know, be talking about a number of the things that, as uh, Rabbi Winston would put it, are the things that were not recorded mm-hmm. about Noah. And I think people are really going to find this fascinating. I mean, obviously, when you read some of these commentaries from folks, it's you know, some believe that the first thing that Noah did when he came off the ark was to plant a vineyard and got drunk. You know, this this could not oh, be. He didn't? This could not be further <laughs> from the truth. Well, uh, he just did more than that. Oh yeah, a little more. Yeah. It's almost, it, yeah. but really, it's almost like me calling Prescott Santa Claus. You know, Prescott <laughs> is Santa Claus. That's how you know. That's how ridiculous this is. And the Torah doesn't say that. Uh, it's a false teaching, and you know, sadly, I, I think that. Over the generations, this has really only served uh, to fuel some of the division that stands between the Jewish and, and Gentile people to this very day. Hmm. And it's really uh, sad, uh, and quite frankly, in my mind, it needs to stop. 
that needs yeah. to stop. And in order for that to stop, it takes people like uh, you and me, I guess, to to stand up and, and to say something and to question. And I think that's what we're we're doing now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to do a little more of it and hopefully share some things that uh, people haven't known before about the greatness of Noah. So, folks, stick around with us. We'll catch you on the other side. First Israel Mortgages. Our mission is to help people obtain the right mortgage, get preferred rates, and realize their dream of owning a home in Israel. Our staff is made of American-born Israelis who understand your needs when structuring a mortgage. At First Israel, your financial security is paramount. Visit us online at firstisrael.co.il. That's firstisrael.co.il. I go to a special school to learn Hebrew. And then after that, you get to have a bar mitzvah. A bar mitzvah? That's a ceremony when you turn 13. It's great. I'm going to be Jewish. When can I start preparing for my bar mitzvah? No, Arnold. There are no shortcuts. On Yom Kippur, you don't eat at all. <laughs> what are you talking about, Rabbi? You're listening to IsraelNationalRadio.com, where it takes different strokes to move the world. Shalom and welcome back, folks. We definitely appreciate you sticking around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. And prior to us leaving for the break, uh, Prescott mentioned what we're talking about is probably going to generate some emails. So to ensure that that does, and for those of you who really want to send us an email, uh, you can do that by uh, sending it to Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. And as soon as I get them, I will be handing them off to Prescott. Scott, how's, how's that sound? That <laughs> uh, sounds excellent. Yeah. I'll, oh, I, I'm, I apparently I'm known for uh, <clears throat> replying to emails. Yeah. <laughs> call, call me the troublemaker. We'll call you the the cure for the yeah. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've been talking uh, uh, today about Parsha Noah, and uh, mm-hmm. for the first half we've been talking about some of the things that are are known that uh, were actually written in in the Torah about uh, Noah and you know what he had, he did uh, not a whole lot but enough that you know p- pretty much people know the story anyway we did want to uh, address some of the the negativity that goes into this parsha year after year after year because you know I'm a Noahide and I grow weary of Noah getting beat up all the time and uh, so I'm, you know, for me, I'm here to defend him a little bit, and I'm forcing Prescott to as well. So, <laughs> no, I think you're with me on this, right? <laughs> oh no, I absolutely because uh, you know I I know what Ray's talking about. I mean, just re- I, I'm certainly haven't uh, in, endured as much as he has over the years, being a, a more recent Noahide. But the um, <clears throat> but I do know what he's referring to because. When, when this time of the uh, Parsha reading comes around, uh, it inevitably leads to a conversation about, you know, this, because this is the time, uh, that this is the point in the Torah when this idea of righteousness, uh, or that the, that Noah was perfect in all of his generations, that word stands out to us as Noahides, because we have, uh, many of us have come out of a religion, 
that taught this notion of righteousness as something that comes by faith, doesn't come by works, uh, Torah is no more, etc., etc. And to discover that this man, Noah, was considered righteous, having not received a covenant at Sinai, having not received circumcision and so on, is important to us because it speaks to who we are and who Hashem made us to be and what we are capable of achieving as Noahites. That if Noah could achieve this wonderful accolade in the Torah, then each one of us have that capacity as well. And it doesn't require... Uh, magic potions or, you know, fantastic belief systems. It really requires us to understand what no one knew and what we can uh, achieve knowing what no one knew, which are the Noahide laws. So, right. And um, it also, so that's why it's important. It also helps us to understand that you do have to do something. You can't yeah. sit back and wait. In fact, uh, you, you caught my ear when you uh, talked about circumcision. It's, it's interesting because that is one of the things that are used that many Jews will tell you that that's what made Avraham the, the first Jew. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I, of course, disagree but, with that, but yeah. circumcision falls into that. Did you know that Noah was born circumcised? Well, I, I, I am aware that in the oral tradition that they, uh, uh, that, uh, that that was the case. Uh, but again, it comes back to the fact that uh, this was something that, uh, you know, Hashem did. Right. As opposed to what he merited from, from, from how he lived. I don't know. I, I, I can't uh, address that because I simply don't have uh, the knowledge. I'd have to I'd have to well, ponder well, that around the campfire tonight. I think. Well, well, he well he wasn't called he wasn't called perfect in his generations because he was circumcised. No, absolutely not. Absolutely it was because not. he because he followed because he followed the laws that God had given to Adam that had been uh, passed down and that Noah learned and he did that. So right, but he was born circumcised so uh, in any event uh, Hashem of course who can see the future may have known that that he merited it or it was to make a statement to all those around him I mean at this point where it's just conjecture on our part I mean okay there's no way to know uh, okay so so was was Shem also born circumcised uh, not that I'm aware of okay and and either nope it was just Noah, as far as I know. Now, so, so, so I guess, so it really comes down to that the Torah doesn't tell us that that the requirement for for being righteous before Hashem requires circumcision. No, you know, so 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 that he was created, so that he was born in that condition. It wasn't because his parents chose him to be circumcised, or that he was born into a Jewish home. But that Hashem may have this. This may have been Hashem's way of marking him as being specially chosen for some task and purpose. Right. But at the end of the day, it's what he did, and what we all do that merits our our, our that 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 we have our standing before Hashem. And so that even if you are circumcised, it's still what you do. It's not because you're circumcised or not circumcised. Exactly. 
But when you when you come out of a religion that tells you that you know before a particular time in history, two thousand years ago, before that time you had to be circumcised in order to uh, please God. Right. It doesn't matter that their theology that 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 tends to become the part of the language of how they defend or how they represent or present their faith claim against the quote unquote Old Testament where everything was under the law. Uh-huh. And and so I'm I'm saying that that when we come to Noah, this is what we find is we find that he is called righteous, though he didn't undergo this being brought into the covenant uh that was given to Abraham. So Right. Well, let, let me, let's let's do this. I, I want to dispel this whole notion about you know what was the first thing Noah did after they got off the ark, and, <laughs> okay. and I mean, this is something that's jabbing at me right now, and I need to get it removed the thorn from my side. Okay, go uh, ahead. Do me a favor, Prescott. Read uh, Genesis eight. Uh, make it eight eighteen through eight twenty two. Okay. So Noah came out together with his sons, his wife and his sons' wives, every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that stirs on earth came out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an ark, built an altar to the Lord, and taking of every clean animal and every clean bird, he offered burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the pleasing odor, and the Lord said to himself, Never again will I doom the earth because of man, since the devisings of man's mind are evil from his youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living being as I have done. So long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall never cease. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, th- those verses speak volumes, but we're only going to uh, address a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to you know, start with the uh, the first question is, what was the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark? Now, obviously, some of the unwritten things were are probably he and his family helped direct the animals off the ark. They they got them in you know in kind of an orderly fashion so they could get out the get off the ark so they're not all rushing the doorway. Uh, he made sure they all got off. I mean. There are things like that that aren't aren't written about, but what was the first thing the Torah tells us that Noah did when he got off the ark? And that he built an altar. Exactly. Verse 20, And Noah mm-hmm. built an altar to the Lord, and he took of all the clean animals and of all the clean fowl and brought up a burnt offering on the altar. Hmm. Nowhere in there does it say that, oh, by the way, when he got the last animal off, he took uh, uh, some grapevines and put them in the dirt, and, <laughs> you know, and prayed <laughs> over them to make them grow. No, that's not what it says. It said he he built an altar. And what did Hashem say af- afterwards? And the Lord smelled the pleasant aroma. Hmm. And the Lord said to himself that I will no longer curse the, the earth because of man. Mm-hmm. Right. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will no longer smite all things as I have done. So, I mean, let's face it, even common sense, we don't even need this, even common mm. sense tells us that even if Noah did plant the vine, the very first mm-hmm. thing, there was no time for it to have grown, to have been harvested, turned into wine, and then drank to become drunk. 
And right. if it was that much of a negative thing that it's that it's made out to be by so many people, certainly Hashem would have put it in the Torah, right? Mm-hmm. No, yep. but what he puts in the Torah is that Noah built an altar to him and made sacrifice to him, and it was a pleasing aroma. Hmm, imagine that. So I guess Noah wasn't such a bad guy after all. <laughs> so, and not only that, we also see that Noah was not only responsible for preserving man's existence, but he was also responsible per, for preserving the earth. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, Noah was a, a pretty important guy. And then, you know, just after that, what did Hashem do to Noah? And I know we didn't read that, but in Genesis uh, chapter 9 and verse 1, what's he say? And God blessed Noah mm-hmm. and his sons. And he said to mm-hmm. them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He blessed them. Uh, just, there, there's enough evidence for me to say that, you know what, Noah, he was a righteous guy. There's a lot more that needs to be taught about Noah than what is being taught. And mm. even more so, some of the things, as Rabbi Winston puts it, some of the things that are not written in Torah. Most people, of course, are all aware of the short narrative, uh, you know, about Noah and Genesis. But, you know, aside from this, most people know virtually nothing. Very, very few people understand the importance of the covenant that took place immediately after the flood. And quite frankly, no one really knows anything about what took place the last 350 years of Noah's life after he came off the ark. 350 years. I'm here to tell you, he he didn't live another 350 years uh, in, in a drunken stupor. There was a few other things that he had to get done. And mm-hmm. so that's, you know, some of the things that we want to talk about right now. You know, let's, you know, ask ourselves, you know, what actions did Noah have to, to take to ensure the survival of the human race? Yeah, and not only did he have to save the existence of man, he also had to be responsible for the continuation of man's survival. It's not just a matter of getting through the flood. How do you prepare for that? I mean, they were on the ark for a year. How do you prepare mm-hmm. for that? And then, then now it's just you and your family on dry land. What do you do to, to continue the survival of mankind? Uh, and, and, you know, there were massive preparations required. It's clear that Noah performed a monumental uh, accomplishment. And, uh, you know, in other words, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is Noah had to ensure that everything necessary to survive was loaded into the ark, and he had to ensure that the ark was seaworthy, and then came life afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of some of the things he he had to do. I mean, uh, he had to educate himself and his you know and his family and the knowledge of all the knowledge of the the pre flood world so that they wouldn't make the same mistakes. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, in order to deal with sickness, he had to study medicine or you know at least medicine that was known up up to that time. He basically had to become a doctor. He had to plan for the enormous amounts of, of, of food, food that was going to last for obviously an extended period, food and water, you know, and not just for him, but also for all the animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine the planning that that took? Speaking of planning, he obviously had to formulate a detailed plan uh, for getting started in the new world until there was drinkable water. 
and then when there was drinkable water, new vegetation could actually begin to grow. I mean, not much vegetation is going to grow in, in, in salt. It, it, just, no. it just doesn't. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's so many things that are, are unwritten that when we sit and realize just what had to have occurred for us to be sitting here today was done by Noah mm-hmm. and his family. Uh, I mean, think about it. I know here in Texas, hunting is a, <laughs> a really big deal. We're rolling into hunting season down here. But yeah. imagine back then, there there could be no hunting until the animal population could reach a, a critical mass where you could actually start harvesting animals just to maintain the health and survival of the, of the of the flocks of the herds. So he was like a conservationist. Totally. I had a little liberal in him, as <laughs> did I actually say that? No, I can say that. Who said that? <laughs> it came out loud. <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, I mean Noah was, and you know, addressing that, we Noahides, we are conservationists. We just don't do it to the extremes where we're prepared to blow up buildings to prove it. You know, mm. we just do what we can to you know take care of animals, not be cruel, and and all of that. But you know, consider what Noah had to deal with. I mean, there were no crops; there was nothing growing when he stepped off mm-hmm. the ark. I mean, you know, the only when you think about it, where was the only logical place that they could get food? There's a fish. Right. The fish were not diminished right. by the flood. They survived. So, mm. and I'll, I'm here to tell you, there was no Bass Pro Shop in the area. <laughs> These guys had to learn how to fish, right? I mean, am I right? Uh, yeah. That... <laughs> so, although I, I I think of the Bass Pro Shop as more like a uh, it's it's kind of like the Sportsman Mall, not really a shop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Visited one of those in uh, in uh, Tennessee when I was uh, uh, down there a few years ago, and uh, I have to say I was quite impressed. Uh, they almost made almost made me want to take up uh, uh, killing Bambi, but uh, well, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in 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 any event, there weren't any in the area. So, there wasn't any in the I mean, area. They had so. to, to learn and, and teach themselves how to fish just to have food to survive. Uh, I mean, he had to master agriculture, had to master astronomy, had to master mathematics, had to master weather, you know, in in, in all the sciences that were known in his day. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a master and had to teach his family all of these things so that they could then pass it down to their kids and their kids in turn to their kids and then throughout the generations. Because Mm -hmm. by virtue of the fact that Hashem said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, let me tell you what, folks, that is not an easy task. You know, for us to look at it in one sentence and disregard the logistics of that is somewhat, uh, uh, gives us an unrealistic view of what really had to occur in order, once again, for us to be sitting here and even having this discussion. Mm-hmm. Noah had to literally start civilizations. And, and, and there's a book out uh, called Noah, a founder of civilizations, in, in which, uh, they discuss that for the first hundred years after they came off the ark, they basically had to remain together 
because if they were to start mm-hmm. separating prior to that, there was no way to ensure the survival of, of the people. They, they, right. they would have died off because you have you only have a limited number of people who are creating new beings. And mm. if they were to become separated, then that would actually cause the demise of mankind. So Noah had to keep everyone band together for the first, basically what they say, the first hundred years in order for the population to reach a point where he could then uh, basically assign plots of land to uh, the people that were at that time alive to go out and settle and, you know, begin building their futures and thus nations and, and literally civilizations. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, in Genesis 11, uh, that's where it says everyone on earth had the same language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon the valley in the land of Shinar mm-hmm. and settled there. Right. And of course, at that point, they, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them hard. Bricks serve them as stone and bitumen serve them as mortar. So they became uh, builders of uh buildings and uh and that's when they decided to build a city with the tower and anyway i don't know where noah was when they were busy building that tower where of course we know they could, that uh hashem came down and uh and performed a miracle and nobody could understand what the other was saying right but anyway you know it's it's really when you get right down to it and you really start thinking of these things that are not written right. and certainly not taught i can't think of any commentary on parsha noach that has any of this in it i just right. I, I just can't recall it now you know and I, i'm no rabbi and i don't you know i've never gone to yeshiva uh maybe there are places that it actually does uh, address the magnitude of the job that Noah and his family had to do just to survive. Mm. And now we're talking about not just survival, but actually rebuilding the entire world. How big is that? I mean, my Mm. gosh. And, you know, and here again, when you start considering these things, you have to wonder why the comparison between Avraham and Noah. They were both great men. They both had their place in history for the purpose of Hashem to, to carry out destiny. And, and again, the bottom line at the end of the day is if there's no Noah, there's no man. There's no Gentiles. There's no Jews. There's no anybody to debate whether Noah was a, a bad person, good person. There wouldn't be anybody. And all I'm saying is, is Noah is as equally as important as Avraham was, and as Isaac was, and as Jacob was, as Shem. I mean, everyone that the Torah mentions has to be equally important in the roles that they were tasked with by Hashem. Mm-hmm. I think for me as a Noahide, to start seeing some of that teaching going out into the world from the Jewish community would even draw us Noahides and Gentiles in general closer together. Uh, Rather than us being at arm's length and kept at arm's length because of things that are just feelings rather than actual knowledge, uh, I mean, it can only benefit mankind, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, unless I'm out in left field, I I just don't know. I don't think you're out in left field. Um, I, I think that there is a, 
Oh, we're rolling another time. We're, we may have to do... Uh, oh, my gosh. Yep, you're right. Yeah. We're going to have to roll over <laughs> into the Noahide Nation's plugged-in show to kind of finish this up because uh, there's a lot more important things that we could talk about and are going to talk about. Uh, we just don't have time here on uh, the Noahide Nation show to finish it. Uh, yeah. So, folks, let us go ahead and duck on out of here. We appreciate you being here today. We welcome you back. Prescott, welcome back to you. And, Ray, welcome back to me. So, yeah, Welcome back, Ray. <laughs> Israel National Radio, we appreciate everything that you're allowing us as Noahais to do. So, Baruch Hashem. And until ne- next week, folks, uh, Shavua Tov. Have a wonderful week. Yep. So head on over to the website button on the front page www.noahidenations.com see you there okay shalom hi i'm stephanie from virginia in the usa and i love israel national radio it's the best place to get the truth about zionism israel national radio when I'm not out fighting crocs, I'm only listening to Israel. Oh, oh, I've got one here. What I was going to say, when I'm not out fighting crocs, oh, let me get this one down. When I'm not out fighting crocs, I only listen to IsraelNationalRadio.com. You don't have to be in Jerusalem to buy the best of Judaica. Now sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, talitot, mezuzot, and much more are available online at Judaica4u.com. Or you can just walk into our downtown Jerusalem location in the Bell Tower, Judaica4u.com. On the web, in Jerusalem, and now in Moda'in, in the Kaiser neighborhood, Judaica, the number four, the letter U.com. <laughs>